and the star came and stood over the place where the child was. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the West, the allegorical interpretation of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass already by the ninth century had developed an extraordinarily rich way of entering into the Holy Mysteries. We see much of this already in the writings of our friend Amalarius of Metz. The same allegorical, and in saying that, I do not mean not theological, but I mean profoundly theological interpretation, developed in the Christian East. And especially in Christmas tide and Epiphany tide, we do well to consider the year-round application of the Christmas and Epiphany mysteries to the Holy Sacrifice as set forth in the practice, most notably, of those who follow the Byzantine rite. Those of you who have served Mass in the Dominican Rite know that the preparation of the chalice takes place at the beginning of the Mass. That is the custom also in the Rite of Lyon. But it is done all the same at the altar. Whereas in the East, what we call Credence table is called the altar of preparation. Note the use of the word altar. And the holy canons prescribe that above the so-called altar of preparation there should always be the icon of the nativity of the Lord. Oh, it gets more interesting. This icon of the nativity is placed above the altar of preparation, and the priest, after having prepared the bread, we call it in the west the host, the east calls it the lamb, the lamb. This is a very interesting connection because our word hostia, from which we derive the English host, means victim. And in the East, the bread set apart for the holy sacrifice is called the lamb, thereby uh, making very clear the uh, immolation that takes place in the divine mysteries. And 
The priest, having prepared the lamb, has a little object that he places over it. We don't have the equivalent of this really in the West. In the West, we put the pall on top of the paten. The host rests on the paten, and we cover the paten with the pall, with that uh, square piece of rigid linen. It's placed on top of the uh, paten. And then the veil, the chalice veil, goes over the pall. In the East, however, they make use of a little device of precious metal. It is made of two bent pieces of precious metal, generally gold, and they open in such a way as to sit on the edge of the pattern. And from the middle of this little device, which would perhaps be four inches above the top of the pattern, there hangs a golden star in such wise that this little device of precious metal is called uh, the asteriscos, uh, the star. And the priest, after having pre prepared the, the bread, lamb for the holy sacrifice, takes the asteriscos, this object, and he kisses it. And then he places it over the bread arranged on the pattern. They call it the discos, pattern, same thing. And then he says, and the star came and stood over the place where the child was. The first time I heard that, I was moved to tears. This identification of the bread made ready for the holy sacrifice with the child in the manger is a profound truth. And in the icons of the Nativity of the Lord, you see that the manger, which is in a dark cave, that of course refers to the prologue of St. John, that in the West uh, we read uh, at the end of every Holy Mass, saying, et lux in tenebris lucet, and the light shone in the darkness, et tenebre eam non comprehenderunt, and the darkness did not swallow it up. This text from the prologue of St. John is depicted in line and in color in the icon of the Nativity. But there's more. The manger doesn't look at all like a manger. It's made to look like an altar. And the babe 
is on this altar even as the bread is arranged on the discourse the host on the pattern and the star came and stood over where the child was the swaddling clothes of the infant Christ who is already depicted here as priest and victim he is victim in, in that he lies in the manger or on the altar of the manger and also the swaddling clothes looked like the clothes uh, that uh, covered our Lord's sacred body uh, in the Holy Sepulchre. So not only does the creche represent the altar in the icon of the Nativity, it also represents the Holy Sepulchre. In other words, the complete passion, death, burial, and descent into hell of Christ. The child lies there to indicate that he is a victim, but his head is raised to indicate that he is priest. So victim and priest, altar, sepulchre, the light shining in the darkness, and the star. Now, the East has developed even more than the West the allegorical enactment of the mysteries of Christ in the Mass. I say this because the Credence Table of the West, the Altar of Preparation in the East, is the point of departure of a procession. The priest at what we would call the Offertory of the Mass takes the chalice containing the wine mixed with water upon which rests the uh, pattern covered with the uh, asteriscos, that gold device with the star, still the star, covered with the veil, and in procession carries the holy oblations out of the sanctuary and through the church and back in through the central doors, the royal doors, to the altar. This movement indicates the whole life of our Lord, that from Bethlehem, his whole life is in movement towards the cross. This is very significant. Um, and while this procession to the cross, understand by that the altar, the altar upon which the Holy Sacrifice is offered. Uh, during this procession, uh, the people sing uh, with the clergy, uh, let us who mystically represent the cherubim lay aside all earthly cares, that we may welcome the King of Kings, who comes escorted invisibly by angelic hosts, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. And to the accompaniment of this chant, the holy oblations are borne in solemn procession from the altar of preparation to the altar upon which the sacrifice will be carried out.
the public life of our Lord is uh, demonstrated allegorically in the uh, epistle and the chant following the epistle and the gospel. So that, in fact, Christ in his mysteries is allegorically depicted, enacted for the faithful in every uh, celebration of the divine liturgy in a very uh, real way so that uh, the faithful are able to follow this movement from the altar of preparation to the altar of the sacrifice. All of this by way of um, explaining that in the tradition, both of the East and of the West, the festival of the Epiphany has a Eucharistic significance. All of that was by way of introduction, explaining that the Epiphany is a Eucharistic feast not apparently, not uh, at a first glance, one does not immediately perceive that the Epiphany is a Eucharistic feast, but by contemplating the mystery of the Epiphany with the Church through the ages, one begins to understand that the Church recognizes in the Epiphany a mystery that is wholly Eucharistic. Not for nothing did saints like modern saints, by modern I mean 17th century, 19th century, that's very modern, isn't it? But modern saints, like Mother Mechtilde, she preached on uh, the uh, epiphany as the birthday of adoration of the most blessed sacrament in the church. Remarkable insight. Then in the 19th century, St. Peter Julian Aymar inaugurated um, the exposition and adoration of the blessed sacrament in his congregation of the blessed sacrament on the Feast of the Epiphany. So there's always been in the church this, this awareness, not always clearly in focus, but something intuitive something sensed uh, in the heart, that the epiphany uh, conceals and reveals the mystery of the Most Holy Eucharist. And I see it uh, most clearly uh, in the collect of the epiphany that we're saying every day this week at Mass and at the hours. O God, who on this day, by the leading of a star, didst manifest thine only begotten Son to the Gentiles. Now this is where everything I said a few moments ago about the Byzantine practice of placing the star literally over the bread that will become the adorable body of Christ. That Eastern practice illuminates our Latin collect who on this day by the leading of a star didst manifest thine only begotten Son to the Gentiles. The star points out not only 
the child of the Virgin Mother, but also points out the lamb, the victim, destined for immolation, also points out the presence and the action of the priest. The star makes us aware of the whole mystery. Mercifully grant that we who know thee now by faith, this phrase evokes for us the Eucharistic poetry of St. Thomas Aquinas, doesn't it? Notably, in his uh, beautiful Eucharistic hymn, the Adoro Te Devote. Mercifully grant that we who know thee now by faith, coniovimus, and they knew him in the breaking of the bread, who know thee now by faith in the adorable mysteries of thy body and blood, set forth for our sakes on the altar, offered to the Father, given us in holy communion, abiding in the tabernacle, the sacrament of love, this this knowing is a kind of recognition, huh? recognition. It, it goes back to what I said concerning the Apostle Thomas in the week before Christmas. It's that cry of recognition, my Lord and my God, that we who know thee now by faith may be brought to the contemplation of the beauty of thy majesty. The contemplation of the host, the adoration of the host, is the beginning in time of the beatific vision in eternity. There's but one difference. The sacramental veils conceal here the glory that is nonetheless really present. And if the veil were to be pulled back ever so slightly, we would be blinded, I want to say, annihilated by the blaze of glory that emanates from the body of the Lamb. And of course, all of this is described, is it not, in the Apocalypse, uh, that uh, it is the light of the Lamb, the glory of the Lamb, the splendor of the Lamb that illumines the heavenly Jerusalem, so that there is no need of uh, sunlight by day, nor of lamps by night, because the Lamb is the light of the heavenly city. That splendor of the Lamb is veiled, I want to say mercifully, mercifully veiled for us in the most holy sacrament of the altar. But we who gaze upon the host, recognizing the Lamb, understanding that the star came and stood over where the child was, all of this comes into play. This is the beginning of the contemplation of the beauty of the majesty of the Son of God in glory. Just as 
grace in this earthly pilgrimage is the seed of glory, so too is our adoration of the sacred host the beginning of that contemplation of the Lamb that will make us indescribably and perfectly happy for all eternity. So all of that I wanted to say because uh, I, I promised to offer something to Brother Cassian every day in preparation for his profession on Saturday. And it seemed to me that um, by saying something about the Eucharistic uh, character of this Feast of the Epiphany, um, I would um, be able to offer something useful to uh, Brother Cassian, who on Saturday will pronounce his vows uh, according to the rule of St. Benedict and by the same uh, token dedicate himself to beginning here below what uh, awaits us in glory. In the name of the Father and of the Son.